welcome back to another out of the rough golf podcast um i'm dave and i'm joined with my brother andrew a lot of people like to call him kid and it is sunday february 14th valentine's day um we just witnessed uh the the conclusion of the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am minus the AM this time around. Um, and my personal feelings are let down a little bit, but hopeful that good things are to come. Yeah, we're here on a snowy Sunday in Austin, Texas, watching the Pebble Beach Pro without the AM, as you said, which is a much better way to watch Pebble Beach. Yes, um, I think a lot of the uh, a lot of the broadcasts we got consisted of more pro golf shots and more commentary and more context because there was no amateurs. So happy about that. Not super happy with the result, but you know at least we're trending. Um, a lot of people spend this day with their loved ones, you know, for Valentine's Day, and I spent watching my loved one trying my might to channel any sort of vibes to get uh, to get Jordan the win today which should have felt apparent, but a different vibe. The DB straight vibing took my vibes and channeled them for the win. Yeah, um, you know, I guess we can just jump right into the... We, we should start with Berger. He deserves to be started with. I mean, we'll have a long segment on, on Jordan, but... Yeah, I mean, I... I Berger played well all week. He played well all week. Um, what, what a way to, you know, put a a period on the whole week with the Eagle on 18. Um, that seems like it kind of tends to happen at, at uh, Pebble on 18, like Eagles win tournaments there. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's just very reminiscent of Gary Woodland's 2019 us open win. he yeah. drained a long Eagle putt to kind of seal the deal and not let anyone possibly come back. You know, I was kind of sitting on my seat just thinking, you know, if Jordan just birdies and then he Eagles, he'll be in a playoff. And then he'd kind of dash those hopes, and then, but it was actually a pretty exciting final, like three holes. When in my head, I was pretty just down that that uh, that Spieth was out of it. You know, I, you know there was you, you held out a little hope on sixteen, thinking like, okay, he had eighty eight yards after a pump drive. Maybe he'll birdie that, and then birdie seventeen, and then an eagle eighteen, which you know is a a big a big ask. But Jordan's done crazier things. But you know, it's. It it was a it was a great showing from Berger and I'm already getting 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 down the speed route and I'm getting distracted. I want to give Berger his props. You know he, he I mean showed he up shot today. A, he shot a 65 today, um, seven under, which is an extraordinary round. His, be, on a his best his best round of the week. Yeah, so he went out there and he got it. Um, de- deserved the win, especially with that 18th hole. Um, he had been playing well all week, man. He he hit his driver really well. Um, yeah, I mean he. Every time he needed to hit a fairway, whether there was a momentum shift or someone had made moves on the board, he piped his driver and he kept it low under the wind at the beginning of the round when there was a little bit of wind and it the kept a minute. The only thing I have to say about Daniel Berger is his loophole putting lineup tactic. Yeah, it's, which not, is it's, it's not a great not, look. Yeah, it's not it's not exact it's like a belly putter, essentially. Like it's in the same category. You're you found a way to help have your caddy help line you up and it's against the spirit of the game. You know, it it it, it, it feels like they set out a rule that was kind of the goal of it was to kind of prevent you from doing this. 
and you found a way to like stoically kind of resist this change and you found a loophole it, it, it feel it it reeks of entitlement <laughs> i don't know i i just you know i i don't really love daniel berger i don't hate the guy but that is something that i'm not cool with like you know out of the people that were in contention to win it today, Daniel Berger was in the middle of the pack for me wanting to win. Were there people that I would rather see him win? Yes. Or that I would rather see win? Yes. Are there people that I would rather have Daniel Berger win over? Yes. Um, but overall, overall, like it's kind of just meh for me. Like he's know, like he's like a he deserved the win, um, regardless of his put- putting putting lineup situation with this caddy um he's obviously playing within the rules even though he's kind of not in patrick reed territory but like getting towards that kind of vibe and there's someone who got closer to patrick reed territory today and we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to it but you know honestly Berger has his kind of you know questionable putter alignment technique and i think a lot of people are gonna have their own opinions about that but to be honest, besides 18 and like a couple other places, his putts weren't really going in. Like he he missed quite a few putts, and I, I would be surprised if uh, if anyone were to say that you know he won it because of his putter. Because I I don't, I don't think that's what won it for him. I think his driver won it for him, and he actually scrambled pretty well um, this week. That I think that kind of is the the. That's kind of like the way that you win at Pebble. The way it's small green, so everything runs out into rough. And if you're good with kind of fluffy rough and little chunks, then then you're going to come out well. There's actually a stat from Justin Ray I can pull up. It's like Pebble small greens demanding great scrambling from winners. 2019 U.S. Open with Gary Woodland entered the week 56% for the season, ranked 169th, led the field that week with 80% scrambling. Then this week, Daniel Berger entered the week 61% for the season, ranked 85th, led the field this week 88% scrambling. So scrambling kind of wins you pebble because the greens are so small. I mean, that makes sense with Phil, too. He's won it there a lot, and he's and a Spieth. good scrambler. Yeah, Yeah. so, I mean, scrambling is a big deal around there, and I'm, I'm going to keep resisting talking about Spieth, but, like, there's just so many times where the course would have been way more interesting if it, things were shaved down and you had more kind of creativity around there because good shots and bad shots looked almost identical because the rough stopped them. You would hit yeah. the green, you'd run I mean, through. That's kind of getting into Pebble, the course, which I wanted to get into here in a bit. But, uh, or, I mean, we could Yeah, let's just it jump now. into it. I think Berger on the top, like, great round from him, great performance. Drove the ball up a Nat's ass. like, And, I mean, there's something to be said, you know, since the restart. He won Colonial, and he's, you know, playing good golf and has been playing good golf. Uh, he's missed a cut at least, maybe a couple cuts. But, uh, you know, he's climbed he's his steady. way almost into the top 10. So. Yeah, I mean, he, I think top before the, world, before the restart, yeah. he was outside the top 100, I think. and Maybe even pretty far outside the top 100. And after his win at Colonial, a lots of top tens, and this win again here, you know, yeah, he's he's definitely right there on the outside looking in. He, he I wouldn't be and surprised. That's kind of right where he was at, like before he had his injury, you know, and had to take some time off and get. Yeah, know. but we got a new crop of people that are kind of yeah making that a much more uh, crowded room to get into. Yeah. So I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised come Masters that he's he's in the top ten and he's looking good. Uh, Let's see what Augusta does in terms of that fucking alignment technique. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But, but, yeah, going down the Pebble Beach as a course, um, 
I just wanted to bring up like, you know, what's the deal with the strength of field? Is it just, you know, the players are, you know, it's it falls under a weird time in the season and people like want to take a week off before Riviera. Is it, you know, people ordinarily don't like dealing with the AMs during the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, so they take this week off? Is it that, you know, it's not that great of a course? Ooh, it, do, I one, dare, right? do I dare say it? Is, it? is it an overrated course? Is that why we don't see as many pros playing the event? Um, does the PGA Tour just not set it up correctly? Would more players go if they... Shaved down the rough around the greens, made it a tougher test to the golf game. Um, these are all questions that we could be asking ourselves. Um, which side do I tend to lean on? I lean towards, you know, the course is a bit overrated right now. Um, I think lots of people, especially people that don't pay too much attention to golf, are very high on Pebble Beach. And, you know, that's to be expected. It's a very famous golf course. Um and there are obviously good aspects of the course. Like it's very picturesque and, you know, it's right on the ocean. There's a lot of historic, you know, historical things that have gone down at the golf course. And it it, it is cool, but I don't think it is, you know, super high on the top of the courses I would want to play. I've never played Pebble Beach and there are many, many courses I would rather play than Pebble Beach, especially for the rates that they charge, you know, um, it it it's a cool course but i do think it's overrated um and that doesn't mean it's a bad course it's a good course but uh i think that's part of the reason you don't see players going there i think a lot of it might be the way the course is set up and i think a lot of you know another part might be what i said with the the ams during the tournament so yeah i think all three of those things could factor into it some bit i i don't really subscribe to people aren't showing up because it's not that great of a course they go to plenty of shitty courses with great strong fields yeah um i think my personal feelings about it being overrated really come down to what the potential of it is like i think pebble could be way better than it is i yeah. think there's tons of historical images and pl th things that kind of showcase what it used to be and you see that you're like damn i wish i was watching that golf course yeah and not number this golf seven course. for instance how it used to be pretty much sand like it was like a a, a green on a beach almost it and had, some like dune for a place that likes grass. to call themselves links it actually looked links like yes so it was there's tons of things about pebble that i would change personally but i'm not a golf architect i'm not i don't tout myself as someone who's like that well classed or educated in uh in the in the the subject but it, I don't. I never get too excited about watching this tournament, and it par partially has to do with the AMs, and partially has to do with the strength of the field, and it partially has to do with the fact that it just feels really sanitized and kind of un uninteresting around the greens. Um, I like big green complexes. I like you know lots of runoff areas. I like where creativity gets uh, a bigger part of it rather than just trying to like punch it out of some rough and have it kind of dribble and you know. See, I think I I, I think the small greens could be cool if they didn't have rough around the greens if it was shaved yeah down if they're they turtle could, shells like if yeah, they're if like they pine could risk, yeah if they could risk rolling off and being fucked instead of just getting saved by the rough um that could make it more interesting and that would actually show that like yeah these are small greens you got to be on your shit yeah. And it would probably change how a lot of guys played the par fives. If I'm being honest, Spieth would have been less in it if if it yeah. were that case because he kind of got saved a couple times today by the rough keeping him near the flag and him just having like kind of uphill chips to the I mean, the it would have been a whole different tournament. Like yeah, people would have had different yeah. results. But 
it, to me, the person that I was watching closely, the most closely was Spieth. And having that sort of situation for me made me think that he kind of got gifted on a couple and he still kind of blew it. But it, it, it's just not that super engaging of a golf course for me. And it, 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 if it weren't on the ocean, I just don't think people would care about this event. Like it, there's nothing inspiring about the holes that if you remove the scenery that you would be that glued to the television. Cause at the end of the day, like, yeah, when I see the view of seven, I'm like, Holy shit, this is sweet. Or if I see 18, I'm like, gosh, that's the best closing hole on tour, but it's because it's got the ocean there. And guess what? It's on the ocean. So that's what I have to give it. But there's just a lot. I think there's a lot of untapped potential there. And that's what for me makes it feel a little bit over. I mean, it was cool. Them playing the up T box at number 10 today. That, yeah. Kudos to that. I thought yeah. that made it almost a, a more interesting hole. Um, it, and it, it rewarded people, you know, really trying to blast driver knowing that like, if they kind of slice it, that thing's on the beach. Like, yeah. so that, that was cool to see. No one really got bit in the ass with that really, but at least people that they were showing on coverage. Yeah. And, but, but it was still interesting. And I get that they can't do all four and rounds. And there's there, some things but... like if they wanted to design that hole to where that tee box was played more like on tour, like they could set it up a bit differently to where it would be a little more of a risk taking driver, you know? Yeah. I... But yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's a small tee box area though. Like you can't really have more than one round there or the entire thing's going to be sand with divots or, you know, footmarks or whatever by the time the tournament yeah. rolls around to Sunday. But, you know, like going back to your original point, I think part of it may be the fact that, you know, the pro, the, the pro-am is kind of not really fun for a lot of people. Um, and one part might also be like, it's just not a great part of the schedule. Like you have all these big boys that are getting paid appearance fees to go to the Middle East and like they're not trying to take giant f- flights back from the other side of the world to, to go to the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. So... It, you know, it is, it is what it is. I, I like it mostly just because people that I like to watch play golf usually play pretty well there, you know, I, I, Spieth and I like watching Patrick Cantley play and, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I honestly like watching Daniel Berger play. I like, I don't like what he does in the greens, but I, he plays an unconventional golf game. His swing is different and I like seeing different swings do well. So, you know, it, it it's I like some of the guys that showed up there and for how weak the field was, we got a pre- pretty good leaderboard. Like the 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 drama on Sunday was actually pretty good and you know we owe it to people that are interesting being in the mix. You have Daniel Berger, you have Patrick Cantley, you have Jordan Speed, you have Jason Day, you have Max Homa, a, a crowd favorite, Maverick McNeely, a new kid on tour that really showed some heart there at the end, bouncing back from a penalty stroke yesterday, which was just unfortunate. But, like, really put up a good effort. Yeah, I mean, another guy that shot his best round uh, today over the whole week. And had a good chance at eagle, and he could have pushed it to a playoff had Berger missed his eagle putt. So, you know, good things to come from Mavic McNeely. You know, lots of interesting guys that you've seen on tour for a long time, too, like Paul Casey playing well there, as he normally does. You know, Charlie Hoffman, who has been pretty much irrelevant for, like, a long time, had his best round as as well today at uh, 66. So... There are some low scores out there. I mean, Kevin Streelman kind of like fell apart coming in, but he had a wild round where he holed out for Eagle. I mean, this was a week for holing out for Eagles. Like it, yeah, it, Jordan it, had two hole outs for Eagles. Like really just crazy. Like he held out on number 10, the hole where you had the drive over the beach. So 
it was playing short and he probably kind of like just chipped it in or whatever the case may be. Like we didn't really get to see it because the broadcast missed a lot of stuff this week, but yeah, I, I, good drama the last hour of the broadcast. Um, and I think we should probably transition into what I think was the most notable piece of drama uh, this weekend. Can, can you venture to guess what I'm talking about? Um, I'm assuming you're not talking about Spieth in general, which we're going to get into, obviously. Um, I believe you're talking about a guy who was in contention. Um, he was in the last group of the day on Sunday with uh, – with Jordan and uh, yeah, you're getting hotter. Yeah, um, who was the third guy in their group again? Hoagie. Yeah, Hoagie, Hoagie Sammy. Um, yeah, his name is Nate Lashley. Um, his name is rarely seen on tour uh, leaderboards. Um, he's rarely even in anyone's mind when it comes to golf, except for maybe his immediate group of friends and his wife if he has one and children if he has them um early on in his round today i was kind of getting a little worried about him and how even keeled he looked how he was hitting the center of all the fairways just stuffing pins had like two tap-in birdies and he I'm was like, man this guy is looking like he might go ahead and just take this thing home and you're like, man, this guy's never in contention. I don't really even see him getting top twenties. Um, yeah, I mean, I, is I, he I, going to be able to hold up to the pressure of winning this tournament when it gets into the back nine and closer to eighteen? Yeah, I was turning I, you on the couch and I was like, someone's just got to go up to him and be like, hey, Nate, like, you're about to win this thing, <laughs> and just see how he reacts. Like, but you know, I was, I was like, man, it's gotta be getting to him, and there was a. He it looked, took a while. He looked He looked like he was going to hold it off. Like, you could yeah. tell it was boiling bleed at the surface. Like, he'd throw out some fucks. He'd kind of be like, mm. like what you, But he kept saving whenever his mistakes happened. He'd get up and down. He'd, he'd save himself from, from bunkers. Like, he would seem to pull things together just before you'd have to reckon with the fact that he made a bad mistake. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, the thing that was scaring me the most is that he was hitting every fairway and like in the center of it. And then when he was hitting his iron shots, they were getting so damn close. And it's like... I, you know, it looked like he was going to run away with the tournament. Uh, you thought Cantlay had a chance. Uh, he just wasn't putting it together today how he needed to. And But, you know, not being in that position very often, uh, it, it finally it finally caught up to him, and it, it was on the 16th hole. Yeah, I think what it really came down to for him was that he was kind of flirting with this kind of stuff for the, the whole day. He was kind of like watching a drunk driver. Like, you're driving behind this guy who's kind of like weaving between lanes. It's kind of like just drifting and drifting and drifting. He kept recovering it and be like, okay, I'm not going to have to reckon with this. And the 16th green is just when he went over the side of the shoulder and went straight into a ditch and just ran straight into a fucking tree. Like, it was rough. Like, he, he had kind of a, a boiling attitude underneath the surface the entire day. Um, and he, he just blew up just absolutely abysmal showing on the green, missed a bunch of shorties and then proceeded to take it out on the greens, which is, you know, yeah, he four putted and two of the, two of those putts were very short putts that he missed. Um, it, it was, obvious. that was the biggest roar of the day was watching the last one that lift. Yeah. Out. And I was saying right before it, I was like, miss it, miss it, miss it. 
Um, which is, you know, I don't know if you guys at home do things like that, but I do because I like to root for chaos sometimes. I um, I say some questionable did, things when Spieth is in contention. There's people in the way of him winning. Yeah, that is true. But what was to come after that does not warrant him when he missed. Oh, no. that It was disgusting. My hat and heart is with the Supers and their families. Um, the fact that they're going to have to go in there and fix whatever crater he created with his putter and then look back at it, not just like in disgust of what happened, but also with no remorse whatsoever. He it almost seemed as if he was telling his caddy, like, go clean up that mess because I deserve to be able to do it. Um, and I'm obviously exaggerating and kind of being, you know, I mean, that was pretty it. close to what he did, though. He slammed his putter down after he had made his four putt. He took four putts to make it in the hole. And afterward, he flew his he threw his putter up in the air, caught it and then was walking off the green and then you know, slammed his putter hard into the green and it made an obvious indention. Didn't bother to fix it. Walked over to the, the fringe of the green and talked to his caddy. And it seemed as though he was telling his caddy to go fix whatever fuck up he had made on the green and proceeded to walk off to the next hole. I think he would need a green steam to go in there and, and fix whatever he had did. He slammed that thing hard and you could see it from the broadcast how like big of the area that he can kinda he kinda fucked up. Yeah, so. and he was kinda melting down a little bit before that hole yeah. too. Like like I was saying, he was swerving. He yeah. was he was swerving throughout the round. He just kept kinda saving it. And sometimes when you bubble gum together like that, much like Spieth, you know, something may come. Like you keep piecing it together and you're hoping you can kind of leak oil into 18 and maybe get yourself into a, a playoff or maybe squeak out the win. But Nate Lashley today was not your day. This is not the rocket mortgage. Yeah. I mean, you, you hate to see that. <laughs> I don't, I, I, I no, definitely just, don't hate to see it. No, hate to see the green getting. Oh done. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if that's what we're talking about, I, I look, my, my thoughts and prayers are with the, the, the grounds keeping team and and like look i've been a vehement um defender of courses like riviera and pebble beach and you know courses all around the world that receive punishment from people like nate lashley or bryson dechambeau i'll even take off my hat for saudi arabia where their bunkers got destroyed by sergio garcia like i don't stand by and support this sort of action it's it's childish and you're on television like you know you're playing for loads of money like you're better off than most in this world so just pick yourself up dust yourself off yeah you four-putted it happens it happened to me just the other day you just gotta you gotta calm yourself down in the moment just realize that you're getting a gift to play with jordan spieth in the final round at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. You know, just... just Yeah, what a final pairing they decided to throw out, throw us out there. I am not a part of this thing. This is all, all over golf Twitter, like, where it's like, oh, man, like, if only they... Like, I get that, like, this is the way the rules are, but... Was, like, why was couldn't Cantlay they... too far back to be in the final pairing? No, they all were Berger? at the same spot, but, like, the thing was just... Like, there's a there's a logic to, like, who comes into the clubhouse earliest, and, like, that sets the, the orders. And if you just start kind of twisting those things to, like, pump ratings, next thing you know, you're just going to be making, like, well, he's just one off the lead, or he's just two back. It'd be much better ratings to put, you know, Tiger in the final group, even though he's back by seven. I am totally for if you want to mix around the people that are at the same score. Whenever you're going up to different scores, that's 
different to me. But if like there's a bunch of people tied at 11 under or whatever it was, um, and you want to put fucking the stars in the same group, that's fine. If you want to be in the final group, get a bigger name. Well, what if part of getting a bigger name is getting in the final group, though, and you want to give them the well, broadcast you know exposure you, that you need to? You can do that by winning more and getting a bigger name. You the know, way you get a bigger name is by being good and winning. Like, hey, those people in the or final Or you're group, Ricky Fowler and you do enough commercials. He's won. Doesn't look like it recently. Listen, he's on. Kid has Ricky on his fantasy team, and he's missed two cuts in a row, so he's got a little bit of animosity towards the guy. Ricky has credentials, not you know the best of credentials, but let's let's call in let's put into the context that Phil Mickelson didn't win his first ma- first major until he was thirty six. Uh, Rick is not thirty six yet. You have one like. Like yeah, but he's a great like of the on. game. He's a great of the game. Rick is no Phil Mickelson. Yeah, like isn't he kind of like the exception that proves the rule that like some people can do it really late in their careers, but most likely not. There's there's others. Sergio Garcia got a major late in his career. A major late in his career. Yeah, I mean, a lot, there's people in the Hall of Fame that have one major, right? I don't know off the top of my head, but I mean. I don't know why we're using John the Hall Daly, of Fame. John Daly's in the Hall of Fame, right? And he has two. I mean, that's not out of reach for Rick. Anyways, let's get off the Rick train. I could go down this thing all day. <laughs> I mean, if you want to pull out a better example, it would have been DJ. But it, it, look, the I, I I the furthest you can take it is if you're at the same score. But even then, like I think people deserve to get some sunlight like it, it, you... i get your side i would have much rather had like a patrick cantlay jordan spieth daniel berger pairing on sunday at the end like you can't you can't for me there's no going past that i would much rather have that than the final group that we had to watch but yeah i mean look it, would nate lashley have gotten as much coverage time and we have gotten his blow up if he weren't in the last group with jordan spieth who knows? I, I think know. I think I don't know. Probably not as much. We probably would have gotten the fucking sixteenth moment. I don't know. They were almost that moment to, might they not almost have tried to cut away from that. Like they cut away from that because there was the fucking Daniel Berger's eagle putt. Yeah, but my point which was the winning shot of the tournament. So, but my point is, is that like, what if Nate Lashley, like, was not a degenerate that broke and ruined greens. And I know I'm being extra harsh because it's just, I know it's, it's a fucked. podcast, but well, and it's fucked. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I, look, I'm not going to backtrack with what I'm saying. What he did was ridiculous, but we all get that. He's frustrated. Like he is rarely in that position. He really wants to win bad. Like we would all be like that. And like, I know I would be like that, but I would, I would, definitely restrain myself from destroying a green i don't think i've ever destroyed a green before and i've gotten upset on the golf course like but i've never like intentionally fucked a green up like and you could say that he didn't intentionally do that but he definitely intentionally slammed his club down onto the green so yeah i mean look he was he was caught up he was caught up in the moment like that i totally understand like i can't pretend to know what it feels like to be in that position you know what your putter is going to do if you slam it down on a green, though. Yeah. Like, it's not, we're not dealing with like super firm, hard greens where it's like concrete. This isn't Chambers Bay. Um, 
the uh the main thing here the main takeaway is that we wouldn't have got like we don't get as many opportunities to see new personalities give people opportunity to kind of come up and get you know their brand kind of exposed um if you kind of keep giving all the gas and you know showtime to the same kind of guys well i have the the, the other thing is like there isn't always that many people tied at the lead like that would still happen like the guys like if it was jordan and like one other guy that was they can still get in the final group it's just rare occurrences like that where there's like a bunch of people tied at the same position you are going to take the bigger names and you're going to pair them up like that's and everybody would rather see that for the most part i would think yeah, I mean, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight that if you want to have people that are tied the same score do that sort of thing, if that's the furthest it goes. But I, I, I quickly, that's all I'm asking for. If you, uh, I'm not, I'm not behind like taking a guy that's like eleven under and then going down to fucking nine under and yeah. pairing them up because he has a bigger name. No, you still do it by score because that makes the most sense for the game. But if someone's tied at the same score, I don't see why you can't manipulate the groups so the bigger names. Are I'm just not a big fan of favoritism in general so it, it, it is what it is though but you can't deny that like i mean maybe you would still rather have it how it would be but i think you would rather have like the gr- pairing i would have said you know or that i did say today i, than- I mean the, the the thing that you can count on when they're bigger names is that they're still going to show them on the broadcast like they still were going to show burger they're gonna still show patrick cantley and all their shots you can't say the same for someone like nate lashley and I, I don't like using Nate Lashley as an, an example right now because I don't feel like he really deserves the airtime. Well, then we'll use Maverick McNeely. Yeah, exactly. Like Maverick, a decent like amount. Maverick McNeely probably would have gotten a lot more broadcast time, but he wasn't in that final pair. He wouldn't have been in that final pairing either. But the uh, the main thing being, because if I'm adding up his scores right now, he shot a he shot a 400 the first day, a 300 the next day, which makes him 5 under. No, I'm sorry, 7 under. And then... Two, so nine yeah he wasn't close to being in a final pairing for for sunday so but he that would be a great example a kid who doesn't have as much exposure that's an interesting personality that is a really interesting game he hits the shit out of the ball he's got really good hands on the around the greens he's a really good putter and you know he would have i think brought a lot of more interest to the the tournament because he is an articulate you know interesting competitor that plays a different kind of game sometimes too so i I I really enjoyed watching the few shots of him coming in on Sunday as well. I mean, his approach shot on 18 was, was really sick. I mean, and he really, really unleashed that club, club twirl, like Tiger-esque at uh, TPC Harding Park for the President's Cup kind of club twirl. Really, really great A stuff from him. TPC Harding Park for the President's Cup? Yeah, Tiger Woods President's Cup back in the day, like that crazy club twirl. Oh, like- gotcha, gotcha. Sorry. I was tripping, but uh, yeah. I mean, do we get into the Golden Boy? Yeah, I think it's about time. Um, we should probably bring in a context that we're now dealing with back-to-back weeks with Jordan having a fifty-four hole lead or co-lead, um, and him not getting it done. You know, this week felt different than last but, week. Well, at the same time, can we just pay? be just appreciative, appreciative that yeah. he has had the 54 hole we lead two weeks in a row like we were in a dark spot and it seems like he's like if he was down in a fucking crevice on a mountain he's 
reaching and finally this pulling is a good thing to, this is a it. good thing to complain about right now yes that being said i kind of saw this coming guys i can put <laughs> i can show you the proof <laughs> the the main thing being here is that it's just jordan is known to have the clutch gene like you know he's the kind of guy that will make it happen but it's kind of strange to see him not get it done back-to-back weeks this week is a bit different than last week for a couple of different reasons but He's the kind of guy where you feel like at the end of the day he goes that he has that eleventh gear, or the dial that you can turn to eleven, um, and uh, and he'll 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 make it happen. He'll find a way. He'll persevere. And uh, I don't know if he's he's been away from this position on the leaderboard for so long that that is hard for him to channel right now. But it 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 was another rough Sunday showing for him. And you could look at it and be like, oh, I mean, look, man, he still shot you know two under better than yesterday. But yeah, to, but to, when to, the people around him are at seven under, six under, the four scoring under, average four was under, way three lower under, today. Six under, five under, four under, three under. Um, you know, he was the lowest out of those people surrounding him. So, yeah, in the top ten, he had the he shot the highest in the top ten today. Russell Knox also shot two under. Yeah, so he's the the only other exception to that. So, um, it, it's uh. I'm happy that this is the conversation that we get to have about Spieth because he's in contention. He's relevant to the discussion right now. And it feels like you kind of have to shoehorn him in the discussion in the past. And, you know, I look forward to him continuing to be a, a contender in different tournaments going forward. It, it Listen, did. I love how he's trending. Did I think he could take it home this week? Absolutely, I did. I thought today he could get it. Did the back nine look bad yesterday? Yeah. The back nine looked bad yesterday. Did he hold out for Eagle? Yes. From 165 yards. Yes, he hold out for Eagle. Um, And that's just kind of the shit he does to keep himself in the mix. And that's why he's so exciting, and that's why he brings the fucking stoke. Um, But you kind of saw the writing on the wall in the back nine yesterday. Um, But you hope he would, you know, regroup and come out today firing and, you know, getting in the mix um he he had a couple big decision errors and he couldn't get some putts to drop which really is what cost him today like his driver was bad in a couple holes but it wasn't the worst we've ever seen it it, well and it just started off right away he missed that he missed that birdie putt on one and then he missed the eagle putt uh as well on on the the, lip though i mean that was a good putt yeah it was just a little a little low side um but you know that looked like it was going in. If those two would have fallen, it could have been a different story. You know, but you know he's. I mean, he's definitely. This is such a ridiculous thing to say, but he's definitely a momentum player, right? Yeah. Like he definitely seems like the kind of guy that, like, when he kind of gets that like downhill kind of feeling going, like you're like, oh shit, look out. Well, I he's think kind of like Brooks I, in that way. Well, I kind of I feel like Saturday at the waste management shows that, like, when he started draining long ass putts, it's like there's no way he can make another forty footer, and it's like oh, wait, he actually can because he just made a 40-footer a second ago, and he's like, yeah, there's no reason why I can't make this one too. Yeah. Um, he, he, I mean, he made a long-ass putt on uh, on Friday too when he was playing Spyglass. Like he, you can always count on one of those crazy putts coming from him each week. Well, that end, he holed out for Eagle twice this week. It, it kind of seems like it's like, okay, he holed out a 40-foot putt, He's going to hold out another 40 it's foot kind of his He career. holds out for Eagle. He's going to do that again this week. It's like, 
I don't know. It's kind of his career in a nutshell. Like he has these incredibly high ceilings and incredibly low floors, and you kind of see that play out with his game on the course too. It's like Spieth could double the following hole after he holds out for eagle, and like it wouldn't be a surprise at all, and they just cancel each other out. Yeah. I mean, Spieth was coming in at 17 having shot even for the day when everyone was just birdieing left and right. So it's he is his biggest enemy out there. And it wasn't the course today. Like, well, and then he came off that great birdie uh, on number ten, and then number eleven, which is we we saw fucking uh, Berger hit hit a real close shot in and end up missing his his birdie putt. And Jordan comes up; he could make birdie, be right in it, flares one off right, way into the rough. It's like, what in the fuck, man? Like it. it it just seems like as soon as he gets shit going in the right direction, he's like, "Okay, I'm good." And then he just that being said, he's also he's the- also Jordan Spieth, and he finds his way to always recover from those spots too. Yeah, like, I mean, he, he got reco- on the green. He didn't. He he got on the green from the deep rough right on eleven, and no one was expecting it to stay on the green. Uh, he saved it from a shitty, horrible bunker spot too. Um, or I think that may have just gone a smidge over. I, I, he, he commonly was like kind of, uh, Nate Lashley was kind of piecing it together, kind of band-aids and like was still saving some scores. The thing that I think cost him this tournament this week was the indecision of the approach shot with his caddy, Michael Greller about this 115 yard pitch shot over a bunker on that par five is it 14 or 15 i w- i wasn't watching with you at that moment like, um, i didn't see this i've only heard about this interaction uh apparently greller told him to take a different club or the distance he had wasn't right and spieth was like nah this is what what i'm i think this is right this is what we're doing kind of vibe right this was a great yeah, you should explain it. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically they had a uh, they had an approach shot that after he had done a he had a layup because he was in the right he missed right off the tee on this hole he laid up a pretty good layup like he he had a good money distance for a, for an approach shot I think he was caught between clubs is what he said and they had this carry that they need to have they need to carry I think at least like 109 yards 110 yards they either had some helping or hurting wind that was affecting the the decision a little bit. And they were talking back and forth. Like, they were talking for probably two or three minutes. And him and Greller both stood on the opposite side of this. Greller was telling him to take more club, I believe. And Spieth wanted to kind of take less club, maybe trying to hunt the flag more, have a better opportunity for birdie up close. When you have this room beyond it to miss, and it can actually feed back to that hole, a little bit of a backstop. It might feed to the left a little bit, might have a harder putt. But you saw Cantley miss back there and almost drain the putt. You watch a bunch of people barely kind of miss that flag and have opportunities to make it. And you just had to you had to not be short. And Jordan overrode, um, you know, vetoed Greller's decision to take a little bit more club, hit a little bit harder. And Spieth's excuse was that like I got an adrenaline, I, I need to hit this club kind of thing. I'm in a divot. There was a couple of things that had Spieth kind of going with this decision, and I think that was what lost in the tournament. He ended up coming up short. He ended up spinning off the rough and then going down left a little bit. And he had this uphill kind of pitch from the rough and ran it long bogey, and then right? missing the putt and, and, and making a bogey. Yeah. And you, you just, you can't, it's the only real par five in the course. So it is the hardest one to birdie, but, uh, 
he he should have parred it. He just he had an easy opportunity to par it, and in retrospect, like that was the hole that could have given him a better chance at at winning this thing. And I get that Jordan was trying to fire at flags and get the birdie, but it was just one of those clear kind of Jordan Spieth moments, kind of talking over with Greller, which are really entertaining. But I think Greller was right on that one. Yeah, I mean, from what I've heard. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it sounds like, you know, he, he could have very easily taken the club from Greller and fucking flown it way over too. Cause he thought like he mentally was like, this is the wrong club, you know? Uh, but who knows? Uh, who, 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 you, you never know how things like that would have played out. Um, but yeah, he very well could have made the wrong decision right there. Um, but overall, um, you know, going, we didn't have a podcast after last week's waste management, and that's kind of where Jordan had his reemergence into just in contention and seeming like he's kind of back and playing with glimpses of the old Jordan he had and tied his career low on Saturday at the waste management, which was just an amazing thing to see considering we've been deprived of just Jordan playing great golf. He played a bogey free round shot 10 under, right? Yeah. Um, it was, it was, I was ecstatic, you know, it was a Saturday. I had to play, I had to work in the afternoon. I was listening in my truck on the way to work and I was screaming in my truck, hearing him drain 30, 40 foot birdie putts. Um, that's the type of hype he brings. And it's great to, it's great to have him back in contention. You know, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing. Yeah, did I want to see him win here today? Absolutely. Um, am I surprised that he didn't bring it home? A little bit, but not really. Um, yeah, I mean, back to what I was saying earlier about how he kind of did it in two very different ways this week. I think it really came down to, like, Spieth looked steadier this week, and his game looked more composed this week. Like, he... Last week at the Waste Management, he just played unreal on Saturday. Like, that's what made him relevant in the tournament. And his driver was still terrible. Abysmal, yes. Like, at least he had his driver under control this week to the point where he was able to... More so, for sure. Well, if you took today out of it, like, he was going into Sunday, like, having a well-composed driver. Like, you were like, okay, he... He's hitting over half of his fairways. Like, if he's missing, he's missing it just barely, like in first cut stuff. Or he's able to miss in a position where you actually can get kind of up and down. And he still did that on Sunday a little bit. But, you know, waste management, his driver was terrible. And, like, his off-the-tee game was not good at all. And, like, that just showed on Sunday. And yeah. I was going into Sunday at, at waste management being like, look, to me at the time, I was like, Xander's going to win this. Like, I want Speed to win, like, without a doubt. But Xander... Like, he just looks too good. He looks like he's going to just kind of coast through this thing. And that's not what happened. You know, kudos to Brooks for kind of stealing it at the end because mm-hmm. both Xander and Speed just kind of collapsed. But for for me, the Wasn't biggest... there someone else in the final pairing that collapsed as well? Uh, fucking your boy, the chef. Yeah. The chef I, 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 well. I mean, I wouldn't say chef, like, collapsed. Like, he had a, he was further back than Speed and... than and, and uh... By, like, a stroke. He he went into Sunday. God, this is gonna be hard for me to channel this. Not by a stroke. Um, the the biggest thing going into Sunday. He Scheffler shot a seventy on Sunday. Jordan shot a seventy two on Sunday, and he lost by yeah. So minus seventeen for Spieth, minus sixteen for Chef, and two stroke difference. So he was back by is that one or two? I'm fucking 
fucking up with math right now. But he was a little bit further back than Xander and Spieth. Maybe it was one stroke, maybe it was two strokes. Um, but the, the, the chef didn't look, but he didn't look great, but he didn't look terrible. It was the worst round he shot that week. Either but, way, no one in the final pairing won that tournament, which is surprising. Yeah, I mean, it, I thought Xander was likely going to win that event. He also kind of had some uh, Tony Finau-esque Sunday vibes. Um, for someone who's so so steady, him not winning on Sunday was pretty wild. Speed to me didn't look like he like he had to kind of pull it together. I thought he might have had like some speed magic and pull it off, but. Watching his driver after the on the first hole, him just pumping a hybrid right into almost like a bush, you're like, oh, we're in for a long round today. And then pumping into the water on 15 was a rough sign, and then him doing the same thing on 17. Yeah, I mean, I had some hope after number two, though, because he, pi- he piped a drive right down the center on number two, and it's like, okay, that could have just been the first hole jitters, and we're back in this. But yeah. it And then proceeded to miss way left on three. And then he... Look, his drivers didn't look good. And then watching the first few rounds this week, you're like, okay, Spieth kind of has his drive, his driver reined in. He's hitting more fairways. He's hitting more greens. He's looking more composed. He's obviously comfortable at Pebble Beach. He's won there before. For me, this felt like the week where it's like, okay, Spieth is gonna gonna win it. And the thing that we're gonna hear is just like, oh, it's a weak field. Like that's what we're like. That was gonna be people kind of that hate on Spieth. That's what they're gonna say. But now, this is a more disappointing loss for me than last week. Um, you know, it was cool to watch Speed go off last Saturday, but th- this felt more, um, more self-inflicted. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely like, you know, he he played better, cons- more consistent golf this week. Um, but yeah, it just wasn't it wasn't enough to get it done. Uh, props to Daniel Berger for for doing the damn thing. Um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the one takeaway I have from this is that Spieth plays really well when other people likely aren't going to be playing very well. Like Thursday this week, I think were the hardest conditions, even though the weather wasn't as bad as I think Friday, like they were firmer, they were faster. It, you maybe had a little bit more, more wind and the, the two best rounds that week you saw from uh, Spieth on, on Thursday, the best rounds on Thursday, and, and Patrick Cantley, who tied the Pebble Beach scoring record, and that didn't get enough attention at all. They were more fixated on Akshay Batia hitting 18 <laughs> greens. Yes, they were, which... I mean, yeah. kudos to Akshay Batia, like 19 years old, showing up. Where did I, he finish? He finished... Damn, I'm having to scroll further yeah. than I thought I would. T30th. He shot a... Final round one over, so that that wasn't great. And I think he actually was doing okay. Oh, wow, yeah. So he finished bogey, 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 16, 17, 18. A bogey on 18 is wild, so that's that's a rough finish for him. I, I like watching him play. Another person that plays a very different game than a lot of people. Um, tall, lanky dude that still pipes it and hits really in- interesting shots. So I hope to see him more again in the future. I hope he gets status on tour. I think he... Uh, He'll be a fun guy to kind of watch in the mix. So, I, you know, good signs of signs of really cool play out of him this week. But he deserved to not be the story on on Thursday. That should have been Patrick Cantley shooting a sixty-two. Yeah, I mean that was obvious. But I mean, two incredible they... rounds back to back for Patrick Cantley. His previous 
start that he had was that the uh the palm American springs Express. event yeah where he shot was it also a 10 under or an 11 under like and i believe it uh it was one of those but i believe it also tied the course record right I, yeah I, that's there's a lot of low scores at that event so I, I don't really know but i'm i do want to look it up because that combined under par um combi- combined under par for patrick cantley and two back-to-back events between the american express and pebble beach so the final round was a 61 and it was 11 under so 21 under in two rounds between the american express and pebble beach for patrick cantley um fucking incredible stuff from him like that dude can go low and a lot of people were like kind of uh questioning his ability to go low like they kind of looked at him as like the steady eddie that like would put up just kind of consistent like 68s week in and week out but he's kind of shown that he can go really really fucking low and i think that proves well for him having possibly a big impact at a major this year i don't think i picked him for any majors this year in our in our previous podcast previewing but sometimes it's all it takes there's just like a soft day at a major and you end up stealing four extra strokes on a day where you're just feeling hot that might be a guy to look out for at the masters this year you know i think i picked sungjae and dj is a clear favorite for that too and you know speed being in the mix like it's gonna be really interesting at augusta this year yeah we'll see um i'm rooting for my boy rick to just be able to play the tournament yeah that's a that's a big question mark right now that yeah he Right now, he's not in the event. Yeah, I know. How do you think he does it? He would have to win, I think, at this point. He's got to play pretty much every tournament he can leading up to it to try to get status somehow. Yeah, but, I mean, what's even left at this point? I mean, the Masters is... There's a WGC event. I know he's that. not going to be yeah, in. he's not going to be able to play. He's uh, going to have to play the... Gen- Genesis next week. He could do well there. And he's going to have to play a lot in a row, too. Yeah, like yeah he- just... Do hey, you're gonna do whatever you can. The Rick played Farmers. He played the Waste Management. He played Pebble Beach. He's gonna play Genesis, and then it's the WGC. Does he take a week off, or does he just keep barreling down to try to get in the Masters? He should try to play the opposite field event. But it's four weeks in a row at that point. Yeah, maybe fifth try. And he has to fly to Puerto Rico to play it. I mean, dude, how much do you want it? I mean, that's gonna show for me. You know, I don't know. What happens if he doesn't play it, Dave? Uh, I mean, for you personally, like, what do you, how are you going to feel about Rick if he doesn't play? I mean, it, it, I, it depends on how many shots he has after if he took that week off. Like, if he thinks he needs a week of rest, but he, in all reality, like, the opposite field event is the most likely to win for him and get, you know, to play at Augusta. Yeah. I mean, he missed a cut this week, so he got more time to rest. Yeah, that's true. He probably did fly home. But I don't, I don't know. No, I don't think he flew home. He has the Genesis in L.A. the, the well, next week. Maybe not fly home. Maybe, like, fly just... to family or whatever, like, in Southern California or something like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. He has, after this point, he has Riviera, which I don't think he has a history of playing that well there. I don't think he's ever been, like, in contention there. Um, Puerto Rico, which, if he goes, is the biggest question. Um, and then you have... Bay Hill. Um, he's played well there. Oh, and then Honda. he's won the Honda before. Bay Hill is not Honda. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My, yeah my Arnold Palmer's in, Invitational is Bay Hill, presented by MasterCard. Yes, the MasterCard. Yes. Um, and then you have players, which he's won before, but he hasn't played that well there recently. I think 
it maybe even looking back at, at his thing, he may have missed more cuts than he's made there recently. But um, and then you have the Honda, which he's won before. So you know, there's opportunities for him, but he's got to he's got to win these things is the main thing. Unless he gets like T second, T second, T second, T second. I don't know if he's going to leapfrog enough in the world rankings for him to qualify so in time. You, you think he's got to prioritize prioritize the Honda? This is going to sound crazy, but I think he should just not go to Riviera next week. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he he could take some time off and you know work on the swing and play that opposite field event yeah. in Puerto Rico, and then definitely prioritize playing the Honda. Is he even he? So he's playing in Riviera next week. So he Tiger gave on, him an invite. He was on their fucking uh, like poster, like advertisement poster thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm curious just because like he's not in a position in the world rankings. Like he'd have to get a special exemption from Tiger, right? Like I don't know how he would be in the event. Like what? What is he in the world now? Like six, like seventy something. Um, he is. Um, really having to scroll here. He's he in, is sixty sixth. Okay, maybe he's in the event. Um, I mean, he is in the event, but I mean, like, just based off of where he is in the world rankings. Yeah. Um, lots of guys that we'll be seeing for the first time on the PGA Tour. Um, he's sixty sixth. Not at, like I'm sure they haven't updated it after Pebble yet. But. Yeah, so it's probably dropped a bit, but that wouldn't matter for the field this week. It gets determined on Friday. Um, so I mean, lots of past success in the calendar up until this point you know he's won the players he's won the honda um but i mean honestly to me like obviously he's going to be playing next week and maybe he like feels like he grew up in southern california he's got a chance at riviera it's good strength of field so maybe he'll jump him up in the leaderboard a bit but i think like you're saying like he's got to keep playing and i think he needs to find rest somewhere and i think he should go to puerto rico i think he should go to i think he should go unless he wins i think he needs to go to uh, corrales punta cana and see if he can win there too in the dominican um uh and then you have the valero texas open if he still hasn't won it by then like it's if it's, you what it, it's we're really gonna know what how he what how much he really cares about winning a major because if he just plays the genesis and we don't see him like it could be like okay well i don't i don't know i got the same question for you then again dave like how does it make you feel if rick doesn't care about winning a major it'll make me feel not good man it'll make me feel not good like how how solidified is he as like your favorite player like how far ahead is he than everybody Dude, he's else? my boy man. can he do anything like what do you mean like you clearly are rooting for him to like be in the masters and you have him picked to win the masters like like it clearly is very important to you that he not only gets to the master, but that he just wins a major. And if like, it just seems like maybe it's not his vibe, man. Like maybe it's just not his priority. Like he's trying to, you know, yeah, play in those events, but it's not, he's not going to break his back trying to do it. Like he, he'll keep doing his rocket mortgage and farmer's insurance <laughs> commercials and his grand Thornton or whatever. And you know, he'll, he'll keep Mercedes doing that. Benz. Like he'll keep doing commercials to make that money, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be the majors that makes him that money. I don't know if he's necessarily – if he's trying to win majors, I don't think he's trying to win it for the money. Um, I'm saying, like, if that's his focus, if he's just trying to keep getting those – If it, that, if that's his focus, he'll – I mean, yeah, I don't know, man. We're, Clearly we're, it's his focus. Let's not pretend it's not his focus with how many commercials he does. Unless he's, like, really wanting to be an actor. But, like, I haven't heard them say that. Or maybe he's just a boy that – 
likes to help out the sponsors. Maybe he's not, you know, making money from the commercials. He's like, man, yeah. You think he's doing a pro bono? (laughs) He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm a man of the company. I just, you know, I'm a man of the company. (laughs) Look, it's not looking good. I don't like saying it just as much as you don't like saying it because he's on my fantasy team, and I and I felt I had the same feeling about him as I had with Spieth. It's just Spieth is the one who's been paying me off, you know, earlier with that sort of gut feeling. Um, you know, I'm going to stick it out with Rick a bit longer, but you know, he's not trending well. It's two miscuts in a row and he should have made the cut at waste management, but yeah, then he just, which is concerning. Yeah. For a guy who's won there before and actually was in pretty good, in a pretty good position well after Thursday there a lot. Like that's one of his better tournaments. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, uh, I'm glad to see that he went back to his putter, the, the tiger putter. Um, but we'll see. We will. We will see, man. I don't know. I don't know what it'll do. What what's gonna happen? But you know, he's my boy. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> let's jump to next week. We got we got Riviera. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of guys. It's an invitational. There's a lot of guys there that you should expect to be there. You know, that play really well. You know, you got Dustin Johnson. You got Bryson. Um. You know, you got Berger obviously there after this win and, and him playing good form recently. You know, there's some guys there that I have a bit more questions on that are why are they there? Are they there because Tiger likes them or or are they actually playing good? A lot of, you know, questionable guys, I think, that are in the field. But I, I'm looking forward to it. It's, you know, in probably my top five favorite courses that they play on tour um, every year. And I think it brings out the best in, in players. And you tend to get really, it brings really out good. the best in Bubba. I mean, it is Bubba's playground for sure. He like he absolutely, he absolutely kills it at that place. And I mean, to be honest, Bubba's a world class player, and he 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 plays the game. And I'll say it for the ninth time this podcast in a different way. That's exciting to watch. It's just his personality that doesn't mesh with a lot of people. But you know, Adam Scott was a great winner last year. Um, JT's been in the mix here in the past, coming close to winning it. Um, I I think we're gonna get really exciting stuff next weekend, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, top five tour or courses on the tour and i think we're going to keep the uh the excitement going we're going to get you know really three good weeks of uh of golf content going i guess five if you count the patrick reed shit at farmers but stuff that i enjoy watching not an infuriated fuming watching yeah um i don't know we'll we'll see how it goes um I don't necessarily have like a favorite going into it or anything. Um, I think it's it's DJ. Yeah, I don't necessarily have a favorite going into it, but we'll see how it plays out. You got any sleeper picks? Any, any anyone that you think uh, might surprise people there, or at least maybe... I think you can chalk Adam Scott down for another top ten. Really? Okay. Yeah, Dave's got him down for I top ha- ten. I hate his goddamn putter, but um, he's been playing good golf lately. Um, won here last year. I think he plays here pretty good or plays well here pretty like every year or relatively well. Yeah. I mean, just, just looking through the list here, I think some guys I think could be some, I don't <laughs> know what the Vegas odds are for this week or, or who to really kind of count on to, to do really well, but, or where you're going to get your most value out of a bet. But I think, you know, I think Max Homa, has been trending in a, in a great direction right now. Yeah, I think he played there pretty well last year, the, the year prior, grew up in the area. Um, 
it probably needs to pick after how well he played today and how relevant he stayed at Pebble. But I think he's been consistent and has been on form, and he's done well in the West Coast swing in the past. So maybe this is where it kind of pays off for, for him. Um, I think that's an interesting pick. Um, can't really bet against someone like DJ. I'm sure his value is horrible, but look, he's teed up twice in the last, like, I don't know, like three months, and he just coasted into a top ten uh, century. Um, and then he uh just like obliterated the field at at the saudi event well i think tony fiano kind of collapsed a little bit but played really well and then before they won the masters i mean the guy is seeming pretty much untouchable right now but we'll see it's i think it's gonna be an interesting event we finally have a bunch of heavy hitters at once you know you got dj you got rory you got bryson you just got you know most of the top 10 in the world gonna be there so it's gonna be a good week it'll be interesting to see how brooks kind of throws his weight around that he now he's got swagger and confidence again um but yeah, who knows with brooks but i think dj's the 800 pound gorilla in the room we'll see how it how it pans out yeah i i don't think dj will do anything super spectacular at riviera what does that mean like not a top 20 uh maybe top 20 i don't think he'll top 10 though okay dave's advising people bet against top 10 for dj that's 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 the advice <laughs> that's bet for a no top 10 from dj i think dj's in a state of mind right now like yeah you know i don't really care he he's he's trying to go back to back majors he's gonna get two green jackets in a row yeah yeah i mean he's a strong favorite for it so i mean you can't you can't really rule it out um someone who's uh played decently there in the past you know t17 last year and uh a t9 the previous year your boy john rom do you think he's gonna top 10 this year uh probably more confident about john rom than dj i am uh john rom you can probably chalk him down for a top 10 every week um i think he there isn't a course he can't play well um i think he's the best player in the world I've said that for a while now. Uh, he just isn't, which is the the biggest issue for that argument. Yeah, I mean, they have their algorithms. And the Dave, it's they, not close. It's not close at all. I just feel like he is. Um, but, yeah, um, John Rahm, I think, you know, you can chalk him down for a top ten probably. He, he'll most likely be in the mix on Sunday or at least relevant. Average points for DJ, 12.6. Average points for Rom in second place, 9.1. And then JT at 8.6. There's a pretty large chasm between DJ and the rest of the world. Like, even if you want to say, like, their algorithm is a little bit busted, and it is, and it favors, like, foreign players. I mean, how much more was the Saudi tournament favored over the other one? Like, is DJ manipulating the Dude, world? he was at... I'm, he was I'm just... Three, it was a joke. No, I just mean, like, three, three of his points gap was there before the Saudi event. Like, it's... It's uh look, it's not close and I don't think it's going to be close for a while. But, you know, we'll see how John Rom, you know, continues to play. Like I'm not going to hate on John Rom. Like the guy's last six finishes are let's see here. I want to make sure I have six. T17, T2, T7, 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 T13. Like the guy is like just a machine gun like he's just he's just popping off top 10s and top 20s like crazy 
Um, so can't really can't really hate on that. And if we go a little bit further back too, T23 at the U.S. Open, and then six at the Tour Championship um, with this with the gross scores, not like the net scores, and then BMW Championship, he won. Like so, John Rahm is obviously playing world class golf. There's a reason he's number two in the world, but I, I wouldn't say that this guy's going to be like. He's not clearly the best player in the world. <laughs> no, I'm saying he's the best player in the world. And I think he's a great I think he's a great pick for Riviera too. I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the mix on Sunday and he's one of the guys to look out for. So I don't like that he put the spider out of the bag or took the spider out of the bag. Yeah. Like I get that's probably because he's got a deal with Callaway. I understand that, but he did play that tournament with the spider in the bag with the Callaway gear, so I don't know if that's necessarily on the table or not, but I think the spider should be in the bag, but maybe the Callaway club is close enough, but that is the one thing that concerns me. Yeah. I think, uh, you care too much about that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's that big of a deal, but whatever. Everyone has their kind of, uh, little anecdotes or data points that they like to focus on. I like to focus on, you know, stats and results and finishes and and stuff that's more statistically driven you you know look at someone's putter (laughs) (laughs) one of the things anyway um you want to transition this into uh fantasy recap update status update let's get it all right so we're through uh six weeks of points since kapalua and uh not a whole bunch of change on the leaderboard not many people played pebble beach there's been some there wasn't a lot moves by some people there's nothing too substantial there was one big move from one person this week but uh they haven't been updated in a while though a couple weeks so after this week you know there's uh there's been kind of Four teams that have solidified themselves as kind of stalwarts in the league. Um, Dave, your team is still tied for first at 13 points. We haven't moved. We've been in the first place position the whole season so far, and that's where we plan to stay. Um, It will probably drop down here and there, but it will be towards the top. But uh, we will. How do you say that sentence? How he's like, this is where we're going to stay, but we might move around a little bit. (laughs) I just said it. But. Either going to say you're going to stay in first place or you're not going to stay in first place, Dave. Yeah, we're going to stay there for the majority of the time and we're going to finish there. Like John Rahm's going to stay number one in the world majority of the time of last year? COVID. Ah, COVID, right, of course. Um, look, your team, is, your, your team is doing okay. I mean, it's mostly three guys that are doing all the work for you, but that's fine. You've got three guys that should be doing the work for you. That's, that's the whole point of... Uh, a snake draft. You got you got the clear guys that you know are your high points earners, and it starts getting a little bit more dicey as the the draft goes on. But your highest earner on your team is John Rom, as to be expected. Your 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 second best performer was your fourth pick in the draft, Joaquin Neiman, and then you got Harris English, uh, you know, pulling up the rear with the win and then two missed cuts. So yeah, the two missed cuts are a bit concerning because he has been kind of a steady Eddie you know, the last year or so, um, maybe that's just like, Hey, I won and I can kind of relax a little bit and, you know, hasn't had the same, you know, determined mindset going into some events. 
Yeah. Yep. Um, but I, I have faith that he'll get back in and he'll he'll stop missing cuts. He may not get me points right off the rip again, but I feel like he's he will get back into you know he'll 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 start flushing it again and we'll be we'll be in the mix with him. Look, I mean, if we were just looking at this and we said, all right, six weeks in, Harris English has you three points. We're like, oh, nice, he got me you know three top twenties. That's what I would expect from Harris English. Like, no, he won and then missed a cut twice. But, yeah. Okay, it's a little bit more concerning when you say that, but you know we'll see what you know what materializes out of it. Um, I think the guys that you should you know really just want to see more out of is Kevin Kisner, who hasn't really played much at all. But he played both Hawaii events, and yeah. he didn't miss cuts, but he just didn't get you any points either. But you also can't miss the cut at Kapalua, so he played Kapalua. Yeah, he did. Hmm. But uh, you know, you, wait, you think he flew out to Sony and only played the Sony event? I just didn't really remember him at Kapalua. I'm sure I knew it at the time. I think I he know. made the Tour Championship, and that's how he got into it. Mm. Stupid rule, but it was for COVID, I guess. Um, other team, you know, tied for uh, for first is Mitchapalooza uh, with 13 points as well. His highest earner <laughs> on his team is his number one pick of Xander Shoffley with six points, and then he came up big with the Brooks win last week, getting himself uh, five points for that, offsetting his two missed cuts, so three points for him on that. Adam Scott has got him uh, one top ten for two points. Um, Doc Redman is the the his fourth pick in the draft. That's kind of losing him a few points here. Uh, he missed the cut at the Farmers Insurance Open and the Waste Management back to back weeks. Ryan Palmer, I think for me is one of the the standout surprises of the league so far. Got a top ten at Kapalua. Got a top ten at. Uh, the farmer's insurance. So, you know, honestly, if he finished the league with four points, I'd be like, dude, Ryan Palmer did it for you. Like, <laughs> if he just doesn't miss any cuts for the rest of the season, I think you got to win with Ryan Palmer. Um, so, you know, everyone's got their different philosophies for how they run their teams. Um, but, you know, Mitch's team is looking solid. Um, Sam Burns had an opportunity to actually play pretty well this week, but I think he just kind of maybe got a little bit um he's played a bunch of tournaments in a row too i feel like i see him every week four week, four weeks in a row now yeah, yeah. And, he, and he's gonna be playing riviera as well so he'll be playing five weeks in a row but when you're kind of low on the on the priority list and you're low yeah, in the world you rankings you gotta you, you gotta keep playing when you can and he's young too he'll figure it out he's kind of like a sung js kind of player like you just keep you travel and you grind mm-hmm. but uh yeah that wraps up his team you know moving down to uh tie for third place made a huge jump this week um Hales handicap hunks. Um, mm-hmm. It's, I think this is the sleeping giant in here. I didn't think this team was that strong at draft. You know, I may have been over overly polite at the draft because <laughs> I looked at it and I was thinking, I'm like, God, Paul Casey, Jason Day, Russell Henley, Adam Long. These guys are gonna get you points. Like, uh, although I was hyping up Jason Day for how far I fell in the draft, but the the main thing being is I just didn't th- think those guys were gonna provide. I just really underestimate how much Daniel Berger was going to provide this, uh, this season. I had him last week or last season. And I thought I was going to, I would have picked him ahead of Scotty Scheffler in the draft, but he even is exceeding my expectations. He's got eight points, the highest earner in the league right now. And, uh, and that's kind of, I mean, that's just impressive. A great form this week we talked about, but, uh, I think he's playing, playing really good golf. I think he's going to play really good golf next week too. Um, so, We'll see how that pans out. The, the biggest thing for Haley's team is that she has Bryson DeChambeau as her first pick in the draft. And, uh, you know, he's barely played any golf on the PGA Tour. He played Kapalua, got a top 10, and then didn't hasn't been seen since. But he'll be teeing it up next week at Riviera, and we'll see how 
the big golfer does. Any uh, any words on Hale's handicap hunks in their move this week, Dave? Um, yeah, look out for Bryson because he could top twenties get scored, and he's most likely going to be in the top twenty. Do you think Riviera is a good spot for him though? You know, Aaron tee shots be. are pretty penal there. Yeah. The thing is, I feel like if he just reins in, like, hitting fucking a driving iron off holes when he he can hit it, like, probably 300 <laughs> yards, like, yeah, that could really play into your advantage. Like, you're hitting fairways every time, like, 280, 300 yards, like, and then if you have a fucking, you can hit irons further, too, so that means from back there, whatever you have in, you could be hitting fucking an 8 iron or a 9 iron, like, I don't, I don't know, I or even less, a pitching wedge or something. Yeah, I, I think like I think the advantage like he, yeah, he thinks the advantage is fucking hitting a driver as far as you can, but the real advantage might be like hitting driving iron 300, 320 yards and hitting the fairway every time. And, you know, I don't know, maybe once he figures that out or uh, he's probably thought of it, I don't know. I think I I don't think he's going to have any issues there next week. I mean, I I like to, you know, rein people in when they when they say he's going to bully a golf course but you made a great point about him making the right selections and playing pragmatically and maybe taking less than driver and just keeping it in play um he's got something figured out i mean looking back at his previous finishes at genesis open he got a t5 last year and the previous year before that before he was really pumping it super far he got a t15 in 2019 so i think there's a good chance that bryson might pull out a w next week yeah maybe so i don't know i mean he He's not playing, you know, the the craziest golf I've ever seen right now. But look, I don't think it takes much for for Bryson for Bryson to win. Honestly, like I think he can win without his A game if he gets just he he could be spraying it on the right holes and still be okay. So you know, who knows? It, I mean, it's a really strong field, and maybe that's not the case with certain events. But I I think he's a he's a pretty solid. Uh, probably bet honestly i think with how little he's played maybe vegas is kind of fading him um another team tied for second is oops daddy's home uh this team really has the most kind of spread out points production um it's it's pretty much the same since we last spoke about it he's gotten two more points from justin thomas and uh and and will zalatoris but this team is really steady i mean you got two guys making three points with justin thomas and will zalatoris two guys making two points with lonto griffin and abe answer and two guys making one point with uh, Hideki Matsuyama and Brennan Todd. It should so. be stated he did have the first pick in the draft. But sometimes that can kind of bite you in the ass, though, too. It can, but, you know. Especially with I, a 10-person league. Yeah, and but I do feel like the person with the first pick should have, you know, the best team. But. Yeah, but uh, look, he, the you think he had, they have the best team because it's like a lopsided thing where you have one guy who's going to be earning you all the points, but he picked Justin Thomas, and Justin Thomas only has three points for his team right now. We'll see what happens when the league kind of continues bode well for him because justin thomas is a baller and is probably going to get a lot more points i get him. it but i'm saying right now with 12 points it's not lopsided in its production it's actually the probably the most even keeled across the entire league i get that because he was able to get some really good guys because he was the first pick never mind we'll move on um number five bitch tip bandits um this is a pretty gritty squad with some interesting players on it you know, you've got the degenerate Patrick Reed um, producing four points. Uh, the same as Sung J M also producing four points. And you got the one point from Billy Horschel. Um, this team has two guys that have yet to play in a PJ Tour event this season. Um, uh, to get any points, you have uh, 
Takumi Kanaya and uh, he played at the Sony. Right? Yeah, but he wasn't on his team at the time. Mm. And then uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, who will be teeing up for the first time on the PGA Tour next week at the Genesis. So we'll see how Matthew Fitzpatrick does for his team. I think that was an interesting pick for the squad, but maybe sometimes less activity is good. You know, if you're not playing events, you can't be missing cuts for people, and um, volatility is the enemy of progress. So we'll see what that you know fills out into. Uh, he's right in the middle of the pack at fifth, the fifth position. Um, the next team on this list is Kling's Dynasty. Um, most of the points are being generated by Colin Morikawa in the squad, the first pick in the draft to be expected. And then, you know, you got some quiet guys that haven't played in the PGA Tour yet for his team that might generate points. Tommy Fleetwood and Terrell Hatton. Um, those two guys will be teeing up next week as well at the Genesis. And, you know, maybe they'll earn him some points. Louis Oostazen, uh got him Oost. one point. <laughs> the Oost. And then, uh, surprisingly, Mark Leishman. Uh, three points for Clint so far uh, in this league. You know, much more productivity from him on his team than your team last season, Dave. Yeah, I picked I picked Mark Leishman up last season right after he got all of his points for the season. Yeah. It, it, Leishman was one of those guys that came back after the, the, the pause for the pandemic and never looked the same. Yeah. Um, Kling's Dynasty also has an interesting Euro pick with Ian Poulter. Um, hasn't played a PJ Tour event yet. I don't even know if he's playing at the Genesis. Let's see here. No, he's not. So, you know, Clint, if you're listening, um, maybe think about getting a different player. Um, <laughs> I mean, I can't cast stones right now, but it, it seems like you want players on your team that are going to play. But look, everyone's got their own methodology. Maybe I should start just replacing my players with people that aren't going to play at all and just hope that Rory and Spieth just drive my team to victory. Who knows? Um, you know, next on this list, I think in the uh, seventh spot is uh, the Longfellows. The, the Longfellows were in ninth place or in last place this entire season, and they finished last season um, in last. So <laughs> it's good to see him moving up. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy's making moves, man. I mean, Jimmy's team has gone up from, you know – Tied last or ninth place all the way up to se- yeah, seventh place. So, you know, good for his squad. Big week for Patrick Cantley. Um, you know, he's going to be the guy that's going to be steady and get him points. Uh, you know, you, you really can't argue with what that guy's going to be producing. I think Patrick Cantley is a, is a pretty valuable asset on any team. And, uh, you know, you can't – it'd be tough to pass him up in a draft. Um, so, you know, getting him – uh, as late as he did in the draft is uh, is nice, and uh, we'll, we'll see what it materializes into down the road. Um, Victor Hovland hasn't played a ton of events on the PGA Tour this season. He played Kapalua and I think the Waste Management maybe. Um, so, oh, no, the Farmer's Insurance. And he's got him two points for a top ten at the Farmer's Insurance, and he plays again next week at the Genesis. I think Victor Hovland might be another great pick at uh, the Genesis this upcoming week, so maybe look at his odds for that and weigh your decisions based on his past performances there and, uh, you know, some of the play that he's had around these more demanding off-the-tee courses. Uh, Shane Lowry hasn't played on the PGA Tour yet. Justin Rose hasn't played on the PGA Tour yet. Um, so maybe Longfellows uh, might have to do some, you know, rework in the in the locker room there. But I think they both might be teeing it up next week. We'll see what they can do for his team. These will be great indicators for where the viability is going forward. Uh, Chaz Reavy. Uh, just missed the cut uh, at uh, the the waste management and the week before that, I think, in the desert at the American Express. So he's got negative one point even after a, uh, a top 20 this week at Pebble Beach. So let's see if Chez can kind of grind out a few more 
for the long fellows and see if you can start bringing the positive. Um, Dylan Fratelli was a trade pickup uh, for for this squad from the Bitch Tip Bandits. A real clusterfuck of a of a of a process <laughs> there. Don't need to dig into the details, but actually missed a cut at the waste management form, so is in the is in the red for that squad. Uh, moving down to eighth place, we've got Long and Straight. Um, you know that team's being led by Kevin Na with his win and a missed cut at four points. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah, right? Yeah. So Kevin Na yeah. leading the squad, and then Webb Simpson has three points for his team. Uh, Matthew Wolf has negative one points for his team. Gary Woodland has zero points for his team. Uh, Matt Kutra has negative one points for his team, and Lee Westwood another pick from a Euro <laughs> that hasn't played a PGA Tour event and may not ever let's see if he's in the week at Gen- in the field at genesis we'll see um no no he's not in the field at genesis um so ryan maybe look into trading that guy but th- there's some hot commodities out there you know we talked about max homa probably getting uh like maybe four top 10 so far since the season has started or four top 10s or 20s um you know he's going into a home course kind of deal this week um at the genesis so maybe pick up Max Homa or uh, m- maybe look at someone like uh, Maverick McNeely with some recent form, something to kind of give your squad a little bit more firepower. You know, this is coming from someone who is really thriving in this league right now. <laughs> you should be listening to my, my pickup advice. Moving down to ninth place, we've got Ando's team with uh, four points. This is the guy who won the league last year. So it's kind of wild to see him down this far, but this that's to be said, Dustin Johnson hasn't showed up on the PJ tour since Kapalua. So he only has one point for his team. You can kind of pencil him in for probably 20 to 30 points before this league is over. I think you can just guarantee it. Um, You know, I think he was the obvious pick in this draft, but some people pick based on some high ceilings. Some people pick with their heart like me. Um, So, you know, Dustin Johnson is going to be a high earner for him. Tony Finau, just tons of top tens, tons of top fives, lots of runners up. I mean, he run it up on the European tour. That would have gotten some more points too if we fucking counted that tour. Um, so I think you'll start seeing some good form out of them as well. Cameron Smith has a miscut from him at uh, at the Palm Springs event, I believe, or possibly the waste management. Farmer. No, no, it was a farmers farmers yeah, insurance. Farmers. Yeah, farmers insurance. Uh, so he's at negative one point, but he tees it up next week at the Genesis, and I think he's played well there in the past, so maybe you'll get some points there. Bubba Watson, next on the li- list, negative one point, uh, has won multiple times at the Genesis. I would assume he'll be there next week. Um, so, you know, horses for courses from him. So Ando's team might see some big movement next week. Dustin Johnson, probably going to play well there next week. Tony Finau, just pencil him down now for a top 20. The guy just can't seem to fall outside of it. Um, Bubba Watson, it's probably going to win again next week. <laughs> the guy just finds a way around that course. Um, and then Tiger Woods, still recovering from a back surgery, won't be playing his own event, but he'll be there monitoring. It seems, it seems Ando has chosen to just hold on to Tiger. He's fine with him not playing. He's not hurting his team at the moment. Um, you know, he's, I guess, waiting to see what he does at the Masters. If he wins a major, which... He very well could. I think everyone knows that, especially at Augusta. Um, that's 10 points for Ando. So. I mean, coming from a guy who had him as their first-round pick in the previous draft, I mean, what what's your strategy? What's your uh, advice to Ando with Tiger? Do you think you should keep holding on to him, or do you think you should drop him and pick up somebody else? Uh, I would I would try to go elsewhere. Yeah, you risk you know jeopardizing your team points potentially if they miss cuts, but you're also not 
getting movement. I mean, first, you're in ninth first place. First off, he doesn't play a lot of events in general, so you know he could very well miss those cuts or not get you any points because of inactivity and a back surgery. Um, and you're hoping that he wins you a major, essentially, yeah. at, at Augusta. So maybe, maybe fucking Andy's gonna see what happens at Augusta, and if he doesn't do well, drop him then and pick someone up or trade him or whatever he wants to do. But uh, yeah, if I was in his shoes, I definitely wouldn't have him. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, you know, uh, something that Ando could probably go with here too is he he could possibly open up some dialogue within the group chat. He'd be like, "Hey guys, like Tiger." We're, we're we're accepting incoming offers for Tiger Woods, and uh, maybe see what kind of feelers comes back with. I mean, maybe Long and Straight looks around and is like, you know what, Gary Woodland isn't looking too great for us. You know, you know, he Ryan would, probably wouldn't part with. He Gary would Woodland. never do that. <laughs> but you, you just you never know. Like maybe you know you look at you look at Kling's dynasty and Ando and Clint get in a room and like, hey man, I think Mark Leishman got you all the points he'll get you. Maybe you could go with some upside with Tiger Woods, and you do a little swap there. You know, you, you got two guys that are picked it's around the same round. It's just hard for me draft. to see the upside in Tiger Woods at the moment. Well, you don't have to. It's other people, right? No, I know, but just even conveying that as a real, real argument compared to Mark Leishman. <laughs> I mean, but. you can just look at world rankings, though, right? Like, or the world ranking history on on these guys here. So if I look at Tiger. And you look at previous performances. Yeah, he doesn't play a lot, but he, if he doesn't play a lot, then he's not going to risk missing the cut a lot. And whenever he plays, he rarely misses the cut. I mean, if but you when look, you're in a position like Ando at the bottom of the leaderboard, you want to be making up ground, you know. I feel you on that, but my my point more so being is just like like Tiger's not helping to make up ground at the moment, and you don't know if he's going to come back strong or bad. You know, you could easily drop him, pick someone up, and he could still be around if he starts producing again, or he could be scooped up. Who knows? But, yeah, I don't really think we need to get down into the Tiger quicksand. Yeah, but, but I, I feel you on that. I, I just think a lot of people are high on, on Tiger. I think it might be a little bit brash to be like just, I'm dropping Tiger, I'm picking up this guy, where you could maybe see what other people might be interested in. Like, you know what's available out there with free agents. You're not sure what someone might be open to trading within the league no, for Tiger not, Woods. It's always good to see if you can trade first. I mean, or, no one's no one's done that yet, though. When they've pulled up, a, well, we've already had a trade. Though. Yeah, but it wasn't like it wasn't proposed like before they decided to do a drop. It yeah, was a no one's retroactive. Put it, no one's put a player on the trading block and had people. Yeah, be like, yo, guess who's in the trading room right now? I put, I, I, I took, I had a quick conversation with Tiger, and I'm like, hey man, we're gonna have to put you in room T1, and that stands for trade one. You're going in there, and. uh and then Tiger bought the team, and we was no longer. <laughs> I got kicked out as a general manager. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, Tiger is an anomaly, and you never know how people are going to react with him. I think if you were to go with his next person on his list, which is Sergio Garcia with one p- point, I think it'd be a lot less um, appetizing of a trade for certain people. I think he's going to produce more points than Tiger this year, probably. I mean, the, look – some people pick for high upside and high ceilings, right? Like, look, yeah. I mean, look at my team, man. Yeah. I mean, look at me. And you know what? We will. We're looking at me right now because we're moving down to last place in the league, Team Jobby Bones, yours truly team, at still, after six weeks, negative points. Um, you know, we are making up a little bit of ground the last couple of weeks, though. Yeah, and, you know, fine, we'll start there. We'll, well start with— Since the last pod, which we probably should address— 
<laughs> I know this is going off a different tangent, but Rory McIlroy is no longer on my shit list because the last time we spoke, he was on the shit list, and there had been information that came out about the whole dropping and embedded ball thing. Turns out that a volunteer stepped on his ball and embedded it, so he is not on the shit list. Yeah, I was, I was going to get to this. Um, the the biggest thing here, um, I was going to run down my list, but let me start with my highest earner um, for my team and how we kind of spun a 180. And by spun a 180, I mean just like we're back going upward and not downward. You know, my team last week was at like not negative six points or something crazy. So after this week, and the week prior, um, my highest earner on my team right now is Jordan Spieth. So fuck the haters. <laughs> Jordan Spieth is trending and he's getting back into the mix. We don't have to you know, walk down that line. Um, and then uh, my second highest earner with two points is Rory McIlroy. And some might be asking, you know, kid, I've been listening to the podcast. How does he have two points for, for you? You benched him. You benched Rory McIlroy. And how is he getting points for you? I, I don't understand this. I'm confused. And I understand you could be confused. We haven't put out an updated announcement. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is, as Dave said, some new things came to light. And it doesn't pride me in flipping a 180 on this. You know, I take my, you know, penalizations to my team and, you know, being strict with my judgments very seriously. But I would also be obstinate in not taking a new information that comes to light and taking a historical record of Rory's behavior in the past um, and to not have some effect on my decision with this. And... Rory himself said he had a hard time getting to bed and like sleeping because of him possibly have seen the wrong thing. And like, he was so vehemently certain that his ball was embedded and it's come to light allegedly that a volunteer that was helping look for the, uh, the ball had stepped on it and was so embarrassed that they had done it that they didn't say anything. And they knew that Roy would get embedded ball relief and he got it into like no harm, no foul. But what they didn't realize is that, there's fucking cameras at a tour event and his ball bounced and people were very certain it couldn't have been embedded. And it made Rory look really, really shady considering the fact that the exact same shady shit did happen with Patrick Reed who didn't have a volunteer helping him look for it. So yeah, Rory didn't look good after this, that week and our podcast really kind of harped on him a bit with the decision. And we were really upset with Rory's um, behavior and having that, email come into the pga tour and allegedly the the volunteer volunteer had done it enough evidence had come to light that made it a bit more plausible deniability and it wasn't as conclusive and you just can't convict on that everyone knows that you, plus you, his past history with taking drops and just his character is much different than Patrick yeah with Creed. tpc harding park of the pga championship forcing a worse live for himself he's just he's a stand-up character he's, he's a class act and you know, I think it's reasonable for me to reverse my judgment based on those things alone. So, you know, Rory, if there's any bad blood between you and I, I know you're a huge out of the rough golf <laughs> podcast listener. Um, look, we're good, man. We're Gucci. Like you're, you're going to be earning points for the team again. I look forward to you coming back in the locker room and being embraced by the boys. And, you know, we'll put this behind us. Uh, you didn't do anything wrong. Um, and the volunteer, you know, look, we're not going to chastise you. Like, thanks for coming forward. It was a bit late. I kind of said some things I regret now. But everything's fine. Everything's good. We're just going to put this behind us, and we're going to move forward as a solid squad for Jobby Bones. And that's how we're at negative one points in the league. We're, we're, we're just we're clawing back. And we're only 14 points shy of the lead right now. And I think a solid week this week where, you know, Rory wins – you know, Scotty Chef gets, you know, a top 10 and so does Ricky and Spieth and, and Frankie. 
and then and you know Carlos Ortiz our latest pickup since we had a last pod the other Spieth the Mexican Spieth it's it's pretty incredible to think that my team potentially you know could rack up you know 15 points this week alone <laughs> and just leapfrog you and uh you know jump to the the top of the leaderboard like you get nothing from this that's week. if my team doesn't make any points well it's gonna be hard when i have five of the guys five, six of the guys in the top 10 you know like if, if that it, it's almost inevitable but you were just talking about how john rom has a great chance of getting in the top 10 yeah we got room for john rom well then i would soon be uh, leapfrogging you well, the issue is you're not realizing how badly Kevin Kisner is going to miss the cut and Joaquin Neiman and Mackenzie Hughes and Harris English. All those guys are bombing this week, Dave. Everyone knows that. <laughs> oh, geez. That's what you didn't realize. You know, the the thing I'm worried about, and it, the, the thing that's most likely going to be happening is that DJ is going to be in the top 10 as well. And then Bryson is just going to eke out a top 20, so it's not going to really matter. You were just for... saying he was a good chance, a good guy to bet on to win. I forgot about my team, dude. <laughs> I Once I got a chance to look at these specimens at the bottom of our league, I was like, holy shit. It's going to be nuts when Rory wins this week. Chef and all these these homies you know, grind out top 10s. You know, We were talking about Rick needs a chance to come back, and he's, he's from the area. You know, He's not going to get to the Masters, but he's going to get a top 10 here. Like, I mean... Come on. Come on. I mean, there's a chance that that stuff does happen. What happens if I get a clean sweep, perfect 15? A, a perfect game, we, we call it. What Fantasy is, League what perfect is a game. perfect game? A win and five top tens. So a win and the other guys get all top tens. Yeah. What happens? Yeah, do we get like a – is there like a uh... – You get a ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like uh, you know how when you're playing golf, the card game? And like you get like a perfect board, and like if you get your perfect square or you get your your six, like it's like instead of it being like ten points, it's like twenty points. Like, does it can can it, can a perfect game compound? I'll I'll we'll put it in the group chat. <laughs> Maybe it's next season. But I think if your team runs a perfect game, you get a win and five top tens for the rest of your squad. Like, you might just get like an extra. It's like double tilt. points tilt. You go into next week with double points. <laughs> Oh god! I mean, that, maybe we make a fantasy tilt league. That would be that would be really dicey. <laughs> but yeah, so my team's gonna get 15 points this week. We're feeling really good going in the next week. Speed is trending. Molinari kind of wobbled a little bit. He's got zero points for our team after uh, you know two weeks on the squad. But I'm 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 seeing big teams for my big things for my team going forward. You know, we were big dings, big dings, big big dings. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Frankie Molinari had a chance for a top 20 kind of wilted in the weekend. I think he shot three over and then four over something crazy like that. Um, but he looked great the first two days. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, as you may have heard earlier, picked up a fresh new, uh, homie after the waste management, saw his play, um, got himself, you know, as a clubhouse leader at one point, uh, Carlos Ortiz, you know, he, he really has a resemblance to speed's game that is uncanny. And once you see it, it's kind of hard to unsee it. And with Spieth's recent form coming in and seeing how well he's doing, that's just more affirmation to Carlos Ortiz knowing that he's he's in the right direction as well. And I think they're both going to rattle off some really solid finishes. And, you know, we talked about, you know, the question marks around Ricky's game, and I'm not feeling super great about it. He's one of the lowest earners on my team. And I think we're monitoring the situation, and I'm not saying I'm putting him in the trading room and people should be looking at him, but I'm saying, like, we've kind of scooted his chair toward the door 
You know, we we, <laughs> we want to know that like Ricky, we love you in the locker room. You're a great personality. Like you bring the camaraderie, but you got to be able to perform. And you know what happened to guys who? that performed like you? Hold on, hold on. You know who performed like you, Ricky? Joel Damon. You know where he is? He's fucking kicked to the curve. He's out of here. <laughs> you know who performed like you, Ricky? Cameron Champ. He's fucking out of here, too. Both those guys, negative three points and negative two points. Those were all straight cuts. Three in a row for Cameron Champ, two in a row, two in a row for Joel Damon. If I didn't cut him before the waste management, he would have missed three in a row. So I had to act quickly. You got to stop a disease before it spreads. And Ricky, you're looking a little contagious. You're looking a little contagious, and I, I don't like it. I don't like it. What do you got to say, Dave? You're going to cut me off a second ago. He's going to turn it around. I hope so, Dave. I hope so. I th- I had the same feeling about Rick that I had for Spieth, and that's materialized really early, which is good. It's affirmation. Um, so I'm going to give Ricky the, the rain and the leeway. I was going to give Spieth. Maybe fucking Ricky Green Mild Spieth. Whoa. That's deep. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> he you sucked know, the bad golf out of him and put it in himself. I mean, that's and he's gonna fucking just that's a hold it in, and eventually he's gonna fucking. Ricky just saw how his game was trending. It's like if I'm gonna go down, I might as well help a homie up yeah. and drown and just get him above the surface. Um, you know, that's a valiant. If that were the case, Ricky, you're gonna stay in the squad because <laughs> if if Speeth, if you green mile for Speeth, and Speeth is going to just jump to the stratosphere and keep knocking out top tens, maybe knock out a couple wins this year, then like Ricky, you don't deserve to get kicked to the curb after green miling someone. And fucking if he's green mild right now and just barely missing cuts, give him a few, a few weeks. He's probably at least making cuts. Yeah. I mean, RIP Michael Clark Douglas. Um, the, the big thing being here, like that poor fellow had to pass. And so for me, like we got to give Ricky, the care and the TLC that he deserves given he had possibly, we'll, we'll look into it. We'll do some <laughs> our own investigation. But if Ricky did in fact green mile for speed, <laughs> it might be interesting. Cause I, I gotta go look back at the records, but if right when Ricky's seasons started to trail off and speed started to start seeing little bits of form, that may be all that we need. So, um, we're monitoring the situation. We'll look into it deeper. We'll, we'll possibly post some sort of announcement after our analysis and diagnosis or autopsy. But, Rick ain't dead yet. He ain't dead yet. And we won't be the resource of it. Um, big announcement. Last podcast, I said I won't be dropping Sky Sheffield for the entire season. Um, you guys had your reaction to it. And I think that's one of the safest decisions I could ever make. Sky <laughs> Sheffield is going to be fine. I regret dropping him last season. Um, I did pick him up for Daniel Berger, who's the highest earner in points this season. So it wasn't like illogical to do it. But I love the chef too much. So uh, he's got one point for my team. Two back-to-back missed cuts. He missed them both in the number. Uh, those should have been at least zero point um, weeks for him. So I'm not going to penalize him for that. I mean, I will. That's what you have to do in the league, but not personally. Um, to me, he should have three points for the team. Be right there with Spieth. So I think my squad is going to start trending. It's still early. We've got loads of uh, things ahead of us. I mean, there, we're, we're through week six. And at the end of this thing, there's 35. Like, we got 29 weeks left. So um, we're just getting started. But the, yeah, that wraps up. That wraps up the league right now. Um, you know, pretty wide disparity between me and you in this league. But you never know how things are going to turn as out. As wide as it can get within the league. What do you mean as wide as it can get? Like you're in last, I'm in first. I know that's why I prefaced it. 
Yeah, pretty wide disparity. The widest we can have. No, the widest we can have is more than what we have now. Next week, I could miss more cuts and you could win. Oh, well, apparently you're getting a bunch of points. From- it's not what's going to happen, but I'm just saying like the widest it could possibly be is more than 14. At this given moment. Yes. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, my team's winning 15 points. Clean sweep, perfect game next week. And, you know, na-na-na, boo-boo, stick your head in poo-poo. You know? Like, but- <laughs> Jobby Bones is coming. Jobby Bones is coming. All right. Well, I don't know if there's anything else you want to touch on, but we'll see how the Genesis Genesis goes. I don't know how you don't end a podcast on Stick Your Head and Poo Poo. That's just me. All right. Well, appreciate you guys listening. Um, We'll catch you next time. Peace.